please don't wait till it's too late. Call McIntyre Elder Law. Sure, but it will be live right now. We're live right now. So, hello, this is Greg McIntyre at McIntyre Elder Law doing our weekly Lunch with a Veteran, where we actually eat lunch, and you can see my poor eating habits along with Jim has great manners, okay? Much better than mine, I'm sure, but, uh, you know, some veterans don't want to eat much. They just want to say, yes, yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. And I've had people comment, oh, I can eat on camera, right? Or, uh, or one was, I had Rick Variel, he's a pastor on here not too long ago, and they said, uh, some, some person commented and said, you know, I was watching that bottle of water and you didn't take a sip for, uh, you know, for 30 minutes, you know, and I was getting, you know, dry mouth just, just watching you. And then I couldn't eat on cam camera, you know. So, but uh, anyway, we, we just have lunch and it's casual and we talk about uh, military experience. I'm a veteran. I was in the U.S. Navy and for four years, four and no more, and uh, came out and went to law school and worked uh, also in the tech industry programming computers for, for a couple of years uh, before I went to law school. And, uh, you know, it's been a great thing for me to help, help pay for my graduate school and studies. And so that's one of the reasons we do these is just to document uh, other veterans' experiences and what they're doing now. So, so without further ado, I have my special guest today is Jim Quinlan. Okay, and Jim, you're a, a, a resident of Cleveland County. And, uh, and also, I know a member of Post 82, American Legion, Correct. which is where I mainly know you from, mm -hmm. uh, is American Legion, but I understand is extremely involved in uh, American Legion baseball as well. In fact, that was your career. I was not aware of that until recently. That was your career. Right? Yeah, I uh, far. <clears throat> literally got out of the Marine Corps, got my degree under the GI Bill. Mm -hmm. um, Me too. And then ended up working for the American Legion back in Iowa as an assistant adjunct where we did baseball, voice state, oratorical, all the youth programs. I have a son in, in, that's, uh, that's going into voice state. So yeah, voice, voice state. great program, so, just an outstanding program. It will right. have a, a huge impact. And in 86, I got hired to go into the national headquarters, ran the American Legion baseball program. We had 5,500 teams nationwide, did World Series, and. 26, 27 different cities over that career time. And uh, so I got a lot of work in for the American Legion. So how do you go from being a, a Marine to working for the American Legion? When did you go to the Marines? Well, I went in October 71. Okay. And it literally was put into personnel. So you know when I was born? Take yeah. a guess. October 71? No, January 75. Okay. <laughs> so I was in and out before you were even born. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, the old course, so yeah. to speak. Um, so I was a personnel chief. Our job, my job in there, started off just being a mail clerk. You know, all the mail comes into the troops. You got to mm -hmm. sort it out by the different sections, S1, uh, supply, operations, whatever it can be. Um, but we had to type up a lot of orders. Whenever someone flew, they had to go on flight pay because mm -hmm. flying is hazardous. So every month you had you know, two dozen people you had to put on flight pay. At the end of the month you had to take them off and then you had to put it back on. Mm -hmm. And whenever somebody got transferred, somebody got promoted, all that stuff had to be paperwork. So mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember that. I didn't have flight pay, but yeah. I had uh, CPAY. Sure. And then we had hazardous duty pay when we went into uh, a war zone. Yeah. 
tax-free and have to imagine somebody in the payroll department they had to make those changes every time but somebody in s1 somebody in administration had to say here's a list of people who are now qualified for the combat pay right. or into the hazardous duty pay or into the flight pay even if uh, a troop wanted to get sunglasses which were authorized for troops that were flying again you had to cut a little special paragraph one order he had to take it up to the base uh, military PX, mm -hmm. and then they had to order out his sunglasses. Especially he had prescription sunglasses. Right, so. right. So, you know, I think most of us out there, when you think of the military, or that's what you see advertised anyway, is you're, uh, you're, you're on the front lines. But that's not necessarily true. Not Nothing against being on the front lines. I mean, right. That's needed too. But I say all the time, you know, any job in the civilian world, you can probably find a partnership, you know, that sister job in the military. Absolutely. So, again, people have to fix and run computers. People have to, you know, again, you talked about the payroll back back then. Mm -hmm. You didn't get your check uh, in the military. You got cash. So every month you had a dispersing officer come down and you count out your, your pay. And then we had to have all that stuff typed up. You had to sign to get your cash when you went on a deployment. Again, you got extra money for being on a deployment. Again, you had to go to the dispersing office. Somebody had to type up. And again, they didn't have electric typewriters back then. They didn't have computers back then. It was all done with a manual typewriter. What did you say? A Remington Raider? A Remington Raider, yeah. You were a Remington Raider? I was a Remington Raider. I could type. So they weren't electric. They were uh, just yeah. probably the... The harder you push, the harder the, yep, that's exactly the thing right. hit the... Uh, yeah, electric the typewriters were just coming in, but again, because our squadron is deployable, you may be going overseas, you may be going someplace, there's no electricity. You can't plug in uh, the typewriter if there's no electricity. So everything was done by the old manual, hit the carriage return, type it away, hit the carriage return. So what if you made a mistake? Well, then you... You had to retype everything all over. Believe it or not, we you made a mistake at the bottom of the form. Yeah. If you now we would do again, had to handle CO office hours, commanding office office hours, or a court marshal. We'd mm -hmm. have to go through and literally type a perfect document. Except we would deliberately have to make three mistakes: one in the beginning, one in the middle, one at the end. The defendant who was being charged with these usually minor. Mm -hmm. and fractions would have to go through, find that mistake, fix it, and he'd have to initial it. That way, again, for legal documentation later on, it proved that he read it, because here's his initials. Mm -hmm. On every page, you have to have three mistakes. If you made a mistake, you're going to start all over. You can't use whiteout. Uh, you can't, because everything was done with carbon paper, too. So you had carbonless forms back behind on everything. So if you made a mistake, it appeared back behind, too. Interesting. It was it was a slow process. It really yeah. was. Probably, you think it employed more people? <laughs> it probably <laughs> did. It, it, you had larger squadrons because of all that. Now a lot of that stuff that I understand is computerized. So you enter it in, it, it immediately goes to dispersing. It immediately goes down to supply. Let know somebody else know that it checked in. You, it, it's all electronic now. Yeah, we we we. Uh, we put ourselves out of jobs with our ingenuity sometimes. Uh -huh. I think the robot revolution is what they said is coming next in this country, where, you know, robotics manufacturing. But the advantage of that was, is 
you worked with the first sergeant. Mm -hmm. You got to work with the commanding officer and the XO. So I was fortunate enough. You got to know those people. You got to know those people, and those are the people who could recommend you in for promotion. Um, so oh, I it helped you develop uh, people skills as well. It did. It did. Rubbing elbows with people that were way over your head. Sure. When the first sergeant chewed somebody out, you could learn an awful lot on how diplomatically you could chew somebody out to make sure they didn't make that mistake again. Right, without, yes, without mm -hmm. uh, breaking them or, mm -hmm. there's different ways to do this. Sure, yeah. you bring, bring them into line and stuff. You know, that's something that's hard, a hard skill to learn. Mm -hmm. It's just to try to discipline someone so they feel, you know, they know they, they, did, they, they did wrong, but they, they want to do better and they feel good about it. Mm -hmm. right? whatever, that's exactly right. Like there's the, there's the Without just yelling. Yeah. It's kind of like raising kids. Yeah. Know? Anybody can yell about <laughs> stuff, but you have to get that. Yeah, how do I get their buy-in? Get the that, support. Get yeah. them to understand that this is not going to be tolerated again mm -hmm. and we're going to be doing a better job because you're capable of doing a better job. So, you know, another thing that from doing these interviews that it always amazes me and thinking back about my service, Military will give you a ridiculous amount of responsibility, and 18 or 19 year old a large amount of responsibility, mm -hmm. without thinking twice about it. Once upon a time, we had a American Legion conference, and we had the captain of the USS Iowa mm -hmm. up here. You know, he's got 2,200 people on board. He says it's a small city, and you think about it, it is a small city. And he goes, and three fourths of them are teenagers. Mm -hmm. They're firing a 16-inch shell, they've got the radar going, they've got all these things going, and they're 18, 19 years old, some of them younger than that. And that's, that's the big difference, and, and between private world and military world, because, you know, most people wouldn't think of hiring an 18-year-old right now and giving them much responsibility at all. Correct. Yeah. Well, and again, with the military, one of the things you learn is that you're going to be on time. The mm -hmm. first sergeant didn't let you sleep in because you wanted to sleep in. That you were supposed to report for muster to those 700. Or you in trouble. So you, you, or you're in trouble. Like, well, change your behavior. Consequences. So that military regiment, uh, you know, comes into real life almost every day. And we have. Uh, Interesting story is is working with American Legion teams, and here's these teenagers, and you tell them, "Hey, you got a curfew at midnight." Well, they're not used to going to bed. Well, you you have an option. You can either go to bed, or we'll take you over to the airport where your airline tickets will be in the morning. And they see you get that message real quick. Here. Mm -hmm. You know, again, when a team got beat, you know they've been working hard together, and, and rarely did we have problems. But every once in a while, they'd go, "What are you going to do? Send us home?" We'd go, "Yeah." Now you can sleep in your beds tonight, or you can sleep over the airport all night long. It makes no difference. They got the message. Oh, it'd be a lot more comfortable in my bed, right, than sleeping over at the airport until when the eight o'clock flight comes around. So uh, we rarely had any problems with our American Legion teams. But again, talking about military, that's where those skills of, of being able to be organized, being on time, and getting things going. When we would have an American Legion national tournament, one of the things the American Legion does, unlike other youth programs, when a team wins that state tournament, the American Legion steps in and takes care of all those expenses. So airfares, hotels, meals, baseball, umpires, 
all were prearranged. Right? It's like the team from Alaska. We know they're going to fly out of Anchorage, but you don't know who's coming until literally 48 hours ahead of time. So you have to have 20 airline tickets waiting up in Alaska for that team when they win to fly on down. And the tournament might be in Portland, Oregon. It may be clear over in the corner of, of Washington. It may be in Shelby. Yeah, could be in Shelby. Mm -hmm. So all that stuff had to be prearranged. We end up busing or flying close to 1,400 kids all in one day. And that was always the, the pat on the back we gave ourselves is to get 1,400 kids and coaches moving and flying all on the same day and checking in the hotel all on the same day. That's that's where our success of uh, getting all that coordinated. So you were the national director of the American Legion's operations from 1986 to when? Uh, 2013 when I retired, 2012. 2012, 2012 yeah. yeah. So I had 28 years there, had another seven years back in Iowa doing similar type stuff but on a state level. Wow, wow. And now, Shelby is the home yeah. of the American Legion World Series. Yeah. And again, totally, totally changed the impact of American Legion Baseball and World Series. Again, we went to some great cities. Fargo, North Dakota, the nicest people in the world. Mm -hmm. Went to Rapid City, South Dakota. Went to Spokane, Washington. Myrtlesville, Oklahoma. Went all over the place. Went to Middletown, Connecticut. Uh, great, great people worked their hearts out for a year, but after a year, you had to start all over. So you get finished up in Middletown, Connecticut in 1988, and you're going to Millington, Tennessee mm -hmm. in 1989. A whole new committee had to start off all over educating them. This is what has to happen. Plus, again, back then, those teams worked their fanny off, and if there was any money left over, and there was, uh, then that money went into the team coffers, you know, to help out next year's team and the future year's team. Whereas here, we've been able to build on the success year after year after year. And, and quite frankly, the World Series just barely breaks even. If it weren't for our sponsors, uh, we probably wouldn't be able to pay all the bills for the sponsorship here. And so we were able to build on the success. We never had a concert in downtown uh, Shelby five years ago. Now we do. Sure. This might be the seventh year that we're going to happen. So. It, it, it keeps on growing. Uh, the attendance has been outstanding, but again, the attendance continues to grow every year. Fargo, North Dakota, their team actually got into the World Series, and uh, and they averaged almost 2,000 people a game. Right. Shelby averages 7,000 people a game. Wow. And they don't have a team in it yet. The no. team from Shelby ever got in there. Right. <clears throat> Not sure what way to do. They've got some good teams. They need to. Yeah, they need to. Win that championship. Well, right? it's tough. It, it, it is tough. In, in um, 90 years, I think I counted the other day, there's like seven teams who have hosted the tournaments, won, and, and participated in it. You know, back in the 30s and 40s, it used to be just two teams in there. So you have the East champion, the West champion. One year it's in the East, one year it's in the West. Uh, they played the two out of three, but starting about 1944, that's when they went to the double elimination tournament. Um, and so they started doing double elimination tournaments, and it was rare for a team to to win uh, and a state tournament, win a regional, then host the World Series and be there. Odds are probably pretty. Yeah. 
pretty yeah. high up there. Yeah, it's, it's extremely tough, extremely tough. So you think that the organizational skills, the discipline that you learned in the military, in the Marines, translated to your private career? Private oh, absolutely. Again. GI Bill paid for, for college or yeah. some of college. Yeah. It did not pay for all my college. Well, but, but it paid for some. But see, now I was hurt when I got in the Marines. I hurt my knee real bad. Mm -hmm. So I went to school under what they called Voc Rehab, mm -hmm. which probably got $50 a month less than the GI Bill got. They paid for books and tuition. Right. So then that money could be used for rent and food and electricity and everything. So then I got my degree. Uh, That's basically what the GIB yeah. paid for for me was uh, rent and uh, and groceries. Yeah. Yeah, some groceries. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but, but, that, but that allowed me to be able to step out on the job I was doing mm -hmm. and, and complete my education. But uh, again, all those skills just, you know, we, we didn't have computers back then, but. I'm not intimidated by computers, and so uh, I hopped right in when computers came along because it was so much nicer than doing the, the old carbon forms. Yeah, the carbon forms. <laughs> you had to make six copies. <clears throat> you put six copies in there, and then you put your original in there. You had to type it up, and then conk, 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 and then heaven forbid if you misspelled, then you got to rip it out, throw it away, and you got to start all over. Commanding officer doesn't like typos on his paperwork. And again, with the military, you ended up having the inspector generals come around every other year. Mm -hmm. So you were, your, your paperwork was, in fact, judged. Uh, they came through, they were looking for mistakes, and they had mistakes. It counted against your squadron's readiness. And the commanding officer, I just wanted to get an A-plus in there. Right. No doubt about that. So it made a big difference. Well, great. That's great. Well, thank you for your service. Thank you very much for your service. And I'm glad you now reside in Cleveland County, North Carolina. Yeah, we did. When we retired from the American Legion, all of our kids are in New Mexico and Texas and Iowa and Florida. There's nothing keeping us there in Indiana. I tell everybody and my wife had a lot less snow to shovel now. So we just retired and came down here, filled a house two years ago, as a matter of fact. Uh, in February, so we've been in town. Weather's not bad, especially now. This, this winter, I think, was like three weeks long or something. Yeah, you know? yeah it was pretty mild. It's this summer in mild. February. Yep, I'm getting some grass to grow and just planted my flowers, so we're enjoying Shelby. The dogwoods are starting to bloom. It's just drop dead gorgeous. Yes, sir. Well, thank you very much for your service. Right, thank, thank you. you. We appreciate your me. service and appreciate okay. you helping out with the American Legion. Oh, it's you a know, good organization. No, I'm just uh, glad to honored to be a member of Post 82. Yeah. And, uh, and, and to be, you know, just trying to contribute over there to yeah. anything else there. And Post 82 is doing a, a much better job. I think they had a kid who was a champion oratorical last year. They've got five they kids going on to Boy State. They're going to send a young man off to the student trooper, right. which is like highway patrol class for a week long. Oh, cool. So they're they're doing a lot of good over there. And starting a biker club? Yeah. Yeah, right? American so Legion Riders. American Legion Riders that does yeah. a ton of fundraising. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, they raised, I want to say, $1.7 million, and it goes into a scholarship trust. And that money goes to kids whose parents were killed on active duty since 9-11. Or if you're a 50% disabled veteran or more, you can, you can draw scholarship monies. And again, it's all into a trust, so the interest is, is earned and the interest is spent. And again, it goes to those kids who lost parents 
American Legion does a ton, and uh, at our last meeting, post 82, we talked about, it was the birthday, was it the 90, 98th birthday of American Legion in the United States, so 98th birthday. We talked about how it began, and just some of the, the, the monumental things it's done, or, you know, throughout, I think was the first million plus donor to the Heart Association. Cancer Society. Cancer Society. Yeah. Yeah. Mental Health Association helps do that too. Right. Uh, they're a big contributor every year to the Ronald McDonald houses. Uh, there's just an awful lot. That and they, so it's more than, because most people out there probably just, oh, American Legion Baseball. That's what you think of first. Mm -hmm. But it does a ton. And if you're a veteran, you know, we need younger veterans in there, okay? I count myself as one of the younger veterans, all right? And uh, in fact, I was that night, I was the youngest veteran yeah, in the room. I got the prize for the youngest Yeah, and I got a flag that's in the next room that I got for, for being the youngest veteran um, in the room. And... And I'm 42, so I know there are a lot of veterans who are younger than I am who could benefit from the camaraderie and the fellowship of the post-82 members and the support. Uh, so, you know, this nonsense about, you know, or, you know, ridiculous numbers of, uh, you know, younger veterans coming back and having real problems when they come back and for real reasons, um, I, I think those things can be offset some by having a support group out there. Those you know, those people are out there and, and they've been through similar things, which, uh, you know, when you sit down, when I sit down and I talk to Vietnam vets, I realize that, man, you know, my service was not dangerous or hard at all, okay? And, and you get, you know, you, you start to get that. And, and, uh, and, you know, not to minimize what veterans are doing today, a lot of them are in very dangerous, tough, and hard situations, have injuries, uh, you know, all kind of things. Um, but, you know, that support can help. It can't hurt, in my opinion. No. Yeah. Um, there was a chaplain in the National Guard who came and talked to the American Legion and said, you need to get these young guys in. He says, when the World War One and World War Two boys came back, mm -hmm. you know, they called it, you know, combat fatigue. But it was post-traumatic stress back then. Right. But again, getting a chance to get together with other veterans. And if old Joe talked about when he was in Korea or he was in Vietnam. And, and he related some of those combat, then that helps the younger guys to say, well, if they can talk about it, I can talk about it. Mm -hmm. And it does, uh, it was a tremendous stress. You know, you're talking about the GI Bill, I want to get a quick point in here. Sure, sure. Again, it was, the, <clears throat> it was a legionnaire named Harry Comrie, who was a past national commander, member of Congress, wrote the GI Bill, and the American Legion got that passed by one vote and it was opposed by some other organizations who wanted the money to go strictly into hospitals. The American Legion said, no, we need to do something for these veterans coming back. My dad probably wouldn't mm -hmm. be an engineer, which he did his whole career if it yeah. wasn't for the GI Bill. Yeah. He didn't have the money to go do it. Yeah, and that was the, GI Bill yeah, through school. It was the American Legion who, who was, again, a big advocate to help benefit, to help As I understand, the American Legion is the only nonprofit out there that can lobby Congress for veterans. For the most part, now the other organizations can too. Mm -hmm. um, there is a the DAV. Now the VFW. I'm not that's sure right. How that's that works. Right. Yeah. Okay. The VFW has got a political sure. action arm. American Legion doesn't. We don't care if they're Republican or Democrat. Right. 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 The issue is the issue, and that's what we're going to argue about. Mm -hmm. So the American Legion is a nonprofit charter organization. Any veteran who needs to put in a claim. We'll do that at no charge to them. We'll put in the paperwork, send it on up through our chain of command. 
So I would urge any veteran out there to check out your local American Legion post and get involved in your community. And, you know, I'd say that, you know, anytime you go into a room full of veterans and you are a veteran, there's an instant sense of connection there and you just feel at home, in my opinion. So that's been my experience. Thank you for watching today. We'll be on next Monday at noon as well where we'll do lunch with another very interesting veteran. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks, Jim. Thank you, Greg. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. We put off planning till things get slow Tomorrow's never promised today Don't get too busy and let it all slip away Please don't wait till it's too late Call McIntyre Elder Law Foundational planning or more complex We can help when you're perplexed If a loved one needs long-term care We can help avoid some of the scare Please don't wait till it's too late Call McIntyre Elder Law State planning benefits and even probate we take the planning piece off your plate If you or your spouse were in the military, we'd